0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Standing with me just for a quick moment. Uh, last night I was holding my son. I was putting him to sleep and, uh, Holy Spirit, help me. I was scrolling through Instagram and, uh, we all know what happened, uh, the tragedy at the school and, uh. Tennessee and I was watching this quick uh, Instagram clip of the officers body cam that was released uh, and and the video said that the heroes responded in two minutes everything you could see what happened in two minutes and as I start watching the video um, my heart starts racing I'm like my goodness I know something is going to happen within the next two minutes and I see as these officers are scrambling upstairs, downstairs, across the halls, different rooms, trying to find the right place. The clock is now ticking and I realize that there's, a, there's, a, there's almost 30 seconds left. So I know something was about to happen. And when, the moment that I thought that, you just start hearing gunshots and they didn't belong to the officers. And my heart started to break because I knew exactly what was happening. Time's going on and you just hear the gunshot after gunshot and then you see the cops who, who we thank God for their service they're heroes they, they, put, they put the victim down and I just started to think children are lost they're gone teachers gone and uh, I just couldn't help but think that there's a family out there without children now And no matter what your position on gun laws are, no matter what your position are, is about anything else, persecution in America is here. It's at our doorstep. No matter how you want to spin it, no matter which way you want to look at it, it's here. And before we go any further, I'd just like to take a moment of silence for these families. If we could just take a quick moment. God, your peace and your comfort, Lord. May you get the glory in all of this, Lord Jesus, and just be with the families, God, we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Is this my water? All right. Super official. All right. It's game time. Uh, one One of the fundamental teachings of Jesus, and we hear this time and time again. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, they'll put it up, and it says, He who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We hear this time and time again, right? Especially from the evangelists. And, and what, what I find interesting is the, verse, the verses before, right before, the same convo, and the same context that I wish that we paid a little more attention to. And now I'm going to share it. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those in his own household, he who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, this is in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew was an eyewitness of the life of Christ. I don't, I'm not sure if this is the same context. Uh, but Luke also shares something that Jesus had said. In Luke chapter 12 verse 51, he says this. Uh, he's quoting Jesus. He says, do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you but division. Now, this is something else that Jesus said at the end of his ministry. He's going to die. He's going ra- he's to he's rise again. He's going to be with his Father. He's going to be in heaven. And then this is what he says is going to happen. He says in verse uh, chapter 25, verse 32, all of the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as shepherd sep- separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Skip to verse 44. 41 it says this. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. We are waiting for Christ to divide. That's what's happening. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to separate like a shepherd does the sheep. He's going to put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And and In the most pure, righteous way possible. If you could hear what I'm saying from the context that I just read. I want as much of that division right now, before Jesus comes. Now I understand that I'm treading some tough water because... Uh, we all know what Paul teaches uh, in 1 Corinthians. He said, let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. Forget everything else Jesus just said. We're going to stick with this because it makes us feel comfortable. It's easier to understand and there's less accountability. But what about the words that Jesus says? Is and, and what Paul is saying is that we are to be in unity with the teachings of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the love of God. That is unity. So you could disagree with red or blue all you want. You can disagree with left or write joe biden donald trump all that you want but you know what you can't argue about that jesus is the savior of the world you can argue about the intentions of the shooter in tennessee all you want but you cannot argue about the sanctity of life you can vote any way that you want but you cannot argue about the sanctity of life a man is a man and a woman is a woman point blank so argue about all the little stuff that you want. But this is where we are to be united in one front, one accord, in this and this alone. And so we hear this a lot from good intention people. We hear it from good, from pastors that have the best intention. We hear it from leaders that have the best intention. And we hear it all the time. It's stop being so divisive. Just love one another. Right? And, and, and while that sounds great... That does sound great, but this all-inclusive standard with no real biblical instruction has allowed wolves in sheep's clothing to tear up the flock because they're afraid of confrontation and they're hiding from real accountability of the Word of God. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, he said this to the church about the church. He says in Jude 1, 18 and 19, they said to you... In the last days, it will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoured of the Spirit. Listen, if you say you could fly a plane, but you can't, I'm not going to hop in the whip. That's, I'm not. If you say that you know how to play ball, but you don't, I'm not going to pick you on my team. Like, if, if, if. If they say they're a pastor, but their life shows otherwise, I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to give to your church and support your ministry. That's just the truth, right? And we have people like this everywhere. And what I, what I love is is Pastor Omar just shared a reel. I believe they released it on Friday about God didn't call you to be a Christian. He called you to be a disciple. And, and, and I love that because in the Bible, there's not much support uh, 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 that gives support on the definition of a Christian. But all of Jesus' life, there's everything that gives support of a disciple. The, but, but listen, the word Christian... Nowadays, it has been hijacked by apostates. It has been hijacked by people that that hide behind a banner of religion and not the life of Christ. And and so, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a disciple, there is no other option other than going all in. That is the only option. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's all in. Go and sell all that you have. Make sure that there's no other idols before me. That is going all in. You have to hate your father and mother, meaning that you cannot put anyone before God. That is going all in. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Picking up your cross, that's an instrument of death. You mean to tell me I have to deny myself? Pick an instrument of, pick, pick up an instrument of de- That's going all in. Listen, the bare minimum that is required of a follower of Jesus Christ is going all in. So if what we have is real, if what you and I stand here before today, if what we have is real, then it should show fruit outside of the church. Not just on a midweek, where we gather and and we have a great time. I love midweek services. It should go further than that. Not just in the comfort of your own home when you're around people that you know uh, inside of a home on a Friday night. It should go deeper than that. Not just in a traditional day where all of the world gathers to to meet whatever it is and worship whatever it is that they're worshiping on Sunday. It should go deeper than that. If what we have is real, it should go outside of these four walls. In Matthew chapter 5, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says this. He says, if you are the salt of the earth... I mean, he, I'm sorry, he's making a statement. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on. We are to be the salt of the earth. Not just salt to more salt. What is the point of that? He's saying, be salt to the earth. But something that we look past all the time is that the salt, all it did was lose its saltiness. You have salt with flavor, and you have the image of salt with no flavor at all. They both look the same, but when you get to know them, when you're around them, when you hear what what they say, when they live out their life, then you can see the separation, right? So tonight, I want to talk about a man that was all in. I want to give you an exposition on this man's life, and maybe it can encourage you, it can encourage some of us. It will give us insight regarding this man and who he is. So I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you, God, for today. Lord, I thank you, God, just that we're able to gather here, Lord, in safety, Lord. I pray, God, that we would just not take these meetings for granted, Lord, that we would honor every time we come into your home. Lord, I set myself aside, Lord, as a mouthpiece just to be used by you. I am a vessel. I am but an instrument, but I pray, God, you would get all the glory, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will have his way in me. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, have your way in these people. Lord, protect us from ourselves, God, and we lay it all down. We put down all pride, and we humble ourselves before your throne, God, as we we hear your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, uh, I love this church. I love you guys. It's a great place to be. Um, I, I honor our pastor, uh, Pastor Omar, Sister Lethe, president of the Reach Network. We love you. We honor you. It is a, it is a true joy uh, to serve in this house as your disciple. Uh, just for so many years since I was a kid, I love the rest of the pastoral team um, just man i 'm learning so much i 'm enjoying it just a privilege and an honor. Um, but I want to read about uh, john the baptist we 're going to share a little bit about John the Baptist and um, Matthew chapter three would be our main text um, matthew he 's responsible for one of the gospels, uh, the first one in the New Testament. He was an eyewitness of the, of the life of Christ and he writes he he writes this about John the Baptist now we all know what John the Baptist was remembered by what he was what he was known by right he was remembered by baptizing jesus and we also remember by the way that he died and um and so He's known for a lot more than that, and I want to get into that. John is also responsible. Check this out. John is responsible for one of the greatest announcements that the world has ever known. This announcement was meant to grip the hearts of every single person that would ever hear it. From the the words of John himself to the day that Jesus comes back. In verse 2, I'll get back to verse 1, but in John chapter 3, verse 2, he says this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What I love love about John and this announcement is he's announcing the Savior is here. If you you guys understand that John was actually related to Jesus. He was about six months uh, in age difference. John's mother was cousins with Jesus' mother, Mary. And what I love about this is John was announcing that the Savior is here. Repent, Jesus is here. But I also marvel at the fact that when Jesus begins his ministry after the baptism, after the fasting and being tempted by the devil. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus repeats the same words that John proclaimed. And and he says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Jesus wasn't preaching John's message. John was preaching God's message that was prophesied that he would do 700 years ago in the book of Isaiah. And, um, And so Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. It says this, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. If you guys understand what the wilderness of Judea is, when you look at it on a map, uh, it's, you could Google this right now and it'll tell you the wilderness of Judea was a desert. And so this is where John gave birth to his ministry in a dry place. Some of you guys are going to catch it. I'm going to help some of you guys out. Is it, His ministry was birthed in a dry place. Good things come from a dry place. God works in dry places. Don't let anyone tell you that God does not work in a dry place. Sometimes a dry place, the valley of the wilderness, is a gift from God. It is a place of separation. It is a place of no distraction. Don't despise the dry place. There, there's, there's nowhere else that God wants you when you're in a dry place than just to cry out to his name. Amen. Lord, where are you? Lord, I'm here. And here's the blessing of a dry place. As God has your 100% undivided attention. Your mind is focused. Your heart may be crushed. But there is nothing else you can do other than to cry out, Lord, will you meet me here? Here I am. I have nothing else to give but my praise to you. I know what it's like to be in a dry place. I've been there plenty of times. My wilderness sometimes is filled with worry, with stress, with anxiety, with sleepless nights. But I cry out to the Lord. Lord, will you meet me here? Is there anybody that can testify of finding the Lord in a dry place? In your tragedy, in your pain, and in your failure. God can give birth to the greatest things in your life. Visions. I found the Lord is giving me visions in a dry place. He's giving me focus in a dry place. He's giving me strength. He's giving me prophetic words in a dry place. I found the Lord in my wilderness. When the churches were shut down, when there was when there was deemed a global pandemic, no connection to the outside world. I found the Lord in a dry place. This message that you're going to hear today was birthed out of a dry place. And so other than the location of John's ministry, Matthew also gives insight to, his ward, to John's wardrobe and his diet. In verse 4, it says, Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Why did Matthew give us a detail about his, about his outfit and his diet? It almost didn't make sense, but if you're like me, Every sentence that I read in the Bible is who, what, where, why, and how. You guys learned that in elementary school, right? This is how I read the word. Who, what, why, where, and how to every single thing. So I'm asking the detail about, about John's um, outfit, about his diet. Matthew, why did he give it to us? And I like to, I like to think of it like this. John was born into royalty. If you guys didn't know, John's father was, was a priest, His mother was a woman that loved the Lord. He grew up in royalty. He grew up uh, with the priest. Um, And so according to Jewish custom and to a patriarchal society where the son was supposed to follow the father, John was supposed to be in a robe. He was supposed to have the bells and the whistles. He was supposed to be eating the grapes and the steak. He was supposed to be laying on a pillow and having somebody fan him. He was supposed to have these things. But he didn't follow the footsteps of his father. He was rocking camel's hair and a leather belt. No robes, no bells, no shampoo, no conditioner. He's eating locusts and wild honey. No grapes, no pomegranates. He doesn't have a silver cup. He's probably collecting water with the leaves and sipping on like water and aloe. Right? You, you know what? You know what this tells me about, about John? What I love about John is that he was separated he was not afraid to break free from the tradition of man he was prepared to follow the call on his life at any cost what this tells me about John is that he was authentic to his calling my goodness he wasn't afraid to be who God called him to be he wasn't pressed by culture he wasn't afraid of people the man knew he had a calling and he was willing to go against the grain for it all things considered what I see is a free man I pray this speaks to somebody. A man who is free. A man who is not bound by other people's opinions. A man who is not, who does just not care. He's not worried who, who likes his message. He's not worried about who likes his post and how many views he's going to get. He's not worried about his podcast. Man, he's, he's a free man. He, he's, all he was willing to do was, I'm going to follow the call of God in my life. What was prophesied about me 700 years ago, I'm going to meet that. And I'm going to be in the wilderness. I'm going to proclaim and prepare the way of the Lord. And can I, can I share something with you? It's tonight you're listening to a free man. Like, you, you, you don't know what the Lord has brought me through you, you, don't, you don't know the man that's standing up here. Maybe some of you guys just met me. Maybe you guys made assumptions. But can I tell you, you're, you're reading the last chapter of the book. You don't know what the Lord has done in my life. The strength that he gives me just to stand up here and preach his word. I'm not afraid of the world. You can't handcuff me to the traditions of religion. You can't handcuff me to the tradition of, of, of other men. I'm a free man. I don't know what's to come of my life, but I'm a free man. I don't know what I'm going to preach next, but I'm a free man. I don't know when that next invite to the next church is going to be, but I'm a free man. So you can't hold me down because I know the call of God that I have on my life. And I'm going to meet that and be obedient to him and not worry about what the world offers me. I don't receive my reward from people. Hear me out. What can man give me that I desire without compromising being a free man? Nothing absolutely nothing my reward is next to those that have labored before me when my reward is when i receive that crown just to lay it back down at the feet of jesus success to me is when i hear well done my good and faithful servant i'm here to fight the good fight i want to finish my race a free man you guys don't know me man i'm fighting for a crown I'm not fighting for anything else other than a crown. Free from the world, but a slave to Christ. Now that may be hard to understand. I know how hard I went about being a free man. But man, I've never felt so free being a slave to Christ. Being a bondservant to Jesus Christ. Verse 5, it says, it says this. It says, Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of the region about the Jordan were going out to him. This is what I love, I, man. this hit me so hard. John is not in the city he 's in the desert, he 's in the wilderness he 's in a dry place. All of Judea, all of Jerusalem came out to hear him preach. His ministry is so powerful they came to him as a church. we need to hear that. That is all we need it's to preach the word. You, like I look sometimes across like these boards and on Instagram, it's like, you did what to get people into your church? Like, I, I heard a conversation um, a couple years back. Uh, guys were talking about what they wear when they preach to help them emphasize what they're preaching. I'm like, you, you, wear, you wear what colors to, to do what? Like, this is all that we need. They, you know what they did? Is, this is what it tells me, is that the people left the place of comfort to go to a place that was uncomfortable. They were in the city. They left the comfort of their own home, a comfortable place to the wilderness, an uncomfortable place, a place that challenges you to be who God has called you to be. Leave what's comfortable. Some of you, listen, hear me out. Stop being comfortable with being unknown. You come in on time and you leave right on time because you're afraid of people getting to know you. You're robbing yourself of gospel community. You're robbing yourself uh, 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 of a handshake to the next door that's to be open in your life. Don't rob yourself because you're just so comfortable with being unknown. And others need to hear, stop being so comfortable with being known too well. I'm going to move on though. (laughs) Matthew chapter uh, chapter 3 verse 6, it says, And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. This baptism, uh, I need to say it now before I go further, this baptism was a baptism of repentance, so we 're going to read verse seven and eight. It says, "But when he saw many of the Pharisees and, and Sadducees coming to his baptisms, he said to them, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath, uh, to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance." The Pharisees, they were a big group of people, a big group of, of just if you read the Bible. You know a lot about the Pharisees, nothing good about them. Woe to you Pharisees, they weren't good people, stuck in religion, stuck in tradition. The Sadducees, they were also like them, but they were a much, small, a much smaller group. I love what John calls them. He says, you brood of vipers. Vipers are venomous snakes, but what, all, what happens is common with, the, with vipers is that they, they hatch inside of their mother and they eat their way out. He's telling them that you, call, you cause harm on the inside. These people destroy from the inside. And he goes to tell them, bear fruit because your life doesn't match your confession. And, 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 and as, I, as I lead um, connect groups, as I've been a part of this church for so long, in ministry, and the youth, and the young adults, and now as a connect group leader, and, and now stepping into something different in the pastoral team, I see and I hear of people that eat their way from the inside out and they cause harm, and they cause division. They have long robes, and they're wise, but they're wicked. You, 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 you look good in the connect group. You know when to say amen. You know when to post, and you know who to tag, but you're deceitful. You're malice. You're evil. You're wicked. Bear fruit, because your lip service means nothing to God. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, he says this. John goes on to tell them, he says, And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. He's saying this. He's telling them, just because you are Jewish does not mean that you are getting to heaven. Everyone enters heaven through the same door. And that door has a name. His name is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, absolutely nobody gets to God without a relationship with him. Romans chapter 2 verse 11, I didn't give it to him, it's real quick. It says, for God does not show favoritism. We, we know that favor isn't fair. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm, very, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored by the Lord. But in regards to Romans, what he's saying is that God doesn't show any favoritism. Is that you're going to be judged the same way that I'm going to be judged. That unless you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior... And I, don't, and I have Jesus as more Lord and Savior. We meet the same requirements. And the favoritism that it's talking about here is that there is only one way, and it's Jesus. In regards to that favoritism, nobody gets to heaven but through Jesus Christ. We're going to move on to verse 10. It says this. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You know what the axe represents? The axe represents judgment. It says, even now the axe is laid to the root. That judgment is laid to the root. You know what the root of the tree is? That root of the tree is time. It's hitting the root of the tree. Time is running out. The warning is this. The axe is going to hit the Pharisees. The axe is going to hit the Sadducees. And the axe is going to hit you and I. Bear fruit in keeping in repentance. Because when that axe of judgment hits... What will become of your life? And if there is no fruit, and if there is no evidence, those who reject will be cut down and thrown into the fire. There's no way to pretty this up. There's no way to, to, to beat around the bush. That's called hell. That's called eternal damnation. I, wonder, I really wonder, and I struggle with this, is how do we not care? How do we not care about the lost souls that we work with every day? How do we not care about the family members that are damned without the, without the name of the Lord? Without accepting him as Lord Jesus Christ. You, you know why I believe that it's so hard for us just to stand up for the Lord and just to speak the gospel, to share the love, to tell somebody that Jesus loves them, that wants to be in a relationship with him? It's called first world problems. We're so spoiled that we, everything that we get by now is just watered down. I don't know what persecution is. So therefore, it's easy for me not to honor the word of God. I don't know what persecution is. So therefore, I don't really honor the gatherings like the people that are being persecuted in China just for meeting underground. And so, how do we not care about our friends, about our family, when it's eternity? And, and I wonder, why do we keep playing with eternity like it's not eternal? You know what spiritual bondage is? Spiritual bondage is that you can sit there, you can hear, you can say the amens, you can agree with everything that I'm saying, but you can continue to willfully live in sin. That's what spiritual bondage is. It's got you, it's gripped you, and it's hard for you to break free from it. You you you've been in the presence of the Lord. You know the word of God, you can quote a couple scriptures, you have the gospel community, you have even spiritual covering. We'll go as far as that, but you continue to live in sin. You need to understand that you are at a crossroads, that you are You are absolutely in bondage. And that if you don't get that up, when the axe hits the tree, there is no fruit left. And you will be thrown into damnation, into fire. What's crazy is that we somehow believe that God overlooks his own words just because we were told how loved we were by him over and over and over again. As God loves you, there is nothing that you could do that can separate you from the love of God. I know one thing that can separate you from the, from, from, from the Lord. It's sin. Does he love you? Absolutely. Nothing will separate you from his love. But you know what will separate you from him? Is your sin. And we need a savior in Jesus Christ that died on the cross for you and I. To fulfill the commandment of his father. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 11, John says this. He says, he's telling the Pharisees, and and we're getting this scripture for ourselves. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's speaking of Jesus. He's not even here yet. They're the same age, but he hasn't even came. He hasn't made an appearance yet. John is telling them, I baptize you with water. But there was one that's coming after me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John John said, yeah, you think my ministry is cool? I know you guys are traveling to come hear what I'm preaching. I know you're leaving the comfort of the city. I know you're leaving the comfort of your own home to come meet me out here in a dry place in the wilderness. But, But there is somebody that is coming after me. I baptize with water, but he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Those are two different baptisms. And I want to get into those. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's not falling down on the floor. It's not dancing in the church. That's bad teaching. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not when you're worshiping like you're in a cradle covering your hair and you look like a psycho. That's that's not being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You want to know what being baptized in the Holy Spirit is? It's Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in, uh, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is when Jesus comes He unzips your life. He takes out all the garbage. He fills you with his spirit, zips you back up, and now you're a new creation. We call that born again. And so when a person is saved, Jesus baptizes them. They're made alive. I can see clearly now. My eyes are now open. I can feel a little now. My feeling to life is coming back again. I understand. How is it that we understand this word of God that is so complex? We're getting revelation week in, week out. We're sharing the true word of God. We're calling repentance. We're talking about the love of Christ. We're giving you practical tools to live life every single day. To prepare yourself for persecution. To prepare yourself for judgment. How do we understand these things? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand this word. Did you know the Bible was written by so many people? In one thought, in one unity, across so many times across ages all to give glory to God all to talk about the life of Jesus Christ you cannot put 40 people in a room and get them to agree on one thing but so many different languages so many different lives so many different generations so many different areas and they all were in unity with one thing because of the power of the Holy Spirit being baptized by the Holy Spirit this is what Jesus baptizes you with This is where you get a sense of freedom. This is where you feel life again, where you find purpose in your identity and who Christ has called you to be. This is where you find, you know what, I need to stop messing around. The Holy Spirit is in my ear. He's in my heart that I need to give these things up. That is a gift from God. The Holy Spirit, this is what the Lord baptizes with. And then he baptizes with fire. You know what, people think that this is, a lot of people think that this fire is the zeal. That it's anointing, that it's power, that it's this crazy majesty. That makes for good preaching, but that's not what John means. In context, the fire is judgment. The next verse tells us why, and we'll get there. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says, listen, I'm going to read it again. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. At the end of the day, your life, at the existence of all of the earth, Jesus will baptize every single person. Baptism of the Holy Spirit that gives you life, or baptism of the Holy of uh, 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 Fire that brings damnation. How you respond to Jesus determines what you get. No one escapes this baptism. Absolutely no one. Everyone gets baptized by Jesus. But which one do you want? Baptism of the Holy Spirit or baptism of fire? The evidence of that is in verse 12. It says this. It says his winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We don't necessarily understand what this illustration means. We can guess, and you, you're probably right. But let's look at, um, I'm a visual person. A threshing floor is a slab of concrete for the wheat. A winnowing fork, most of us here aren't farmers. Um, a winnowing fork is exactly what you probably think it looks like. It looks like the devil's pitchfork almost, right? Is it, what, these, what these people would do is they would get the fork... They would grab the wheat and they would throw it in the air over the threshing floor, which was the concrete a slab. And what would happen was when the wheat hits the air, the wind would blow through the wheat and it would, it would take away the chaff. It would separate the wheat from the chaff. The chaff is the unusable part of the wheat. The chaff gets blown away and the wheat falls down on the ground. This is separation. This is the division on which I was talking about in the beginning. Uh, that I crave just a little that makes my walk with God a little better that helps me understand people a little better knowing that I got people behind me that I'm serving with that I come to a church knowing that these people love the Lord that they don't mind hearing about repentance that they don't mind being checked in their spirit every now and again is this is what I'm talking about the division the chaff gets blown away that's the unusable part those that rejected the gospel are the chaff those that want nothing to do with God. Those that mock him and those that bring down his name. Those that want nothing to do, with, to do with Jesus. Those that reject him. And what he'll do with the wheat is he'll gather it and he'll store it. You know where he's going to store the, the wheat? In heaven with him for all of eternity. The, the, the chaff in, in, some, in, some, uh, in, in one of the, uh, the parables, is some, the chaff also gets Burned. The wheat gets saved. Listen, I know the weight of the word that I'm preaching. Like, if you don't like the, the hellfire preaching, can I tell you something? You don't like Jesus' teaching. This is, this is his word. And I'm, I'm just giving exposition on it. If some of you sit there, man, you could have preached on anything else. Every time he comes, he's coming for your neck. I, absolutely. I want to wring every single demon that you got out. I want to I want to ring every single part of you that has any doubt that has any fear of just going all in what the Lord has called you to do. I want it to be gone. I want the demons to, to tremble at, at, at God's word. Not my voice, but the proclamation of his word. And this is this is what I want. Is now Jesus, who has been hidden for 30 years, well maybe let's say 18, because he showed himself at 12. He, he, he makes his appearance. Here it goes. It's written in John chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus makes his appearance before he starts his public ministry. It says this. It says, um, it says but I'm going to read from here because I don't have it. Uh, verse 14. It says, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness is John is saying my baptism is for repentance I'm preaching your word I'm calling people to baptize them so that they repent and Jesus you never sinned John felt unworthy he's trying to tell him he's trying to know to, Jesus I need to be baptized by you before you even came and showed your face I'm over here telling people I'm not even worried to carry your sandals I know how John feels I know what it feels like to feel unworthy to serve the Lord I look at all of the things that I've done I look at the person that I used to be man I look at the person that I am now and I feel unworthy to stand here and preach the gospel but guess what he called you anyway you're sitting there and you're questioning what the, co- what, what the call of God is on your life maybe God has given you a ministry to steward and you're wondering if you're capable of doing it if you're even worthy enough to do it as, as, if, as if this peace offering to the Lord if it even matters he's called you He's called you to do it anyway. And he says, and and John baptized Jesus. And and this is what we remember him for. We're going to skip to verse 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And it says, and a voice from heaven said, this is God. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Jesus hasn't even done anything yet. He's done nothing at all. He he didn't heal the dead yet. He didn't raise from the dead. He didn't multiply the fish and the bread. Omar, you can come up, please. He he didn't do all that yet. And and so he's not affirming. God is not affirming Jesus by what he's done. The The father didn't affirm him off of his performance. It was based off a relationship. There's your affirmation. Is your relationship with God. It can never be about your performance. It will never be about your giftings. It will never be about how much money you bring into the church. It will never be how faithful you are. It will always be your relationship to God Almighty. That's where God affirms me. So when I look at my past. I look at exactly who I am. I know who stands before you. You don't. When I look at all that, all things considered, I'll never be affirmed by this, by what I write down on this iPad, what I share on this microphone. It'll always be who I am because of my relationship with the Lord. And so, so some of you guys got to break free from this idea that you have to be able to bring something, that you have to somehow contribute in a way that you're not even capable of doing and just know, Lord, here I am. As the Lord loves you before all of those things, God God affirmed Him before all of these things, and, he, and He's telling and He's telling John, He's telling the world, "This is my Son; I'm well pleased with Him, no matter what He's done." I'm going to close, I'm going to share with uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, one of the most popular scriptures in the in the in the Bible. And this is at the end of Jesus' ministry. This is the last thing that he will leave us with in the gospel of Matthew. One of the last things that was recorded. And he says this. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Start a business, but have a relationship with Jesus. Start a family, but have a relationship with Jesus. Do all of these extracurricular activities, but make sure that Jesus is first. When I hear this commandment that is given to us, what part of your life intersects with the Great Commission? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What what part of your life intersects with the Great Commission, this commandment that Jesus gives all believers, all disciples? Some part of your life should be preparing the way for the second coming of Christ. This responsibility is not left up to Pastor Omar. Omar. It is not left up to the worship team, service in, service out. It is not left up to me or, or anyone else that you listen to. Some part of your life needs to intersect with this, with this commandment. And we need to prepare the way because Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back for peace. He's not coming back in a, as a baby in a major. He's coming down with clouds of fire on a horse and he's coming to draw his sword to separate Like a shepherd and his sheep. And he said, you know what? My sheep are going to be on my right. And the goats are going to be on the left. And the goats, you know what? He's going to say, depart from me. For I never knew you. So one, you need to take responsibility for your own salvation. Stop blaming the church. Stop blaming people. This is your responsibility. And now we need to understand that our lives are just not our own. That we need to share the gospel. We need to love people. We need to do and take this command serious. Reach the lost. How will they hear about a preacher? I'm all for the flyers. I'm all for sharing our posts. Please do those things. We, we, we need those things. We want those things. It is just an extra tool to get people to hear the gospel. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. There's a Lord that loves you. He died for you. He's calling you for gospel community. Come meet. Come, come, come be encouraged. Let iron sharpen iron. And then you come into this place. We reach the lost so that God can restore the lives. Every single life on this earth is worth it. No matter what they've done, no matter where they come from, no matter what they believe, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can restore every single man that has breath. And then release them. Disciples produce disciples. People that love the Lord produce people that love the Lord. It's contagious. It's a culture. Not just in this church. It's a culture that was given to us generation after generation from the word of God. How do we do this? As we pray. How does your life intersect with the the Great Commission? As you pray. You pray for yourselves. You pray for your families. You pray for your pastors. You pray for those that are around you. You give financially. We need the financial support to keep this place running. I do not want to go to three services, but if I have to, I'm going to put my hands to the plow and I won't look back. But with the financial giving, you know what that does? It isn't just so we can make this place look good and all these things. No, it's to spread the gospel. This church might stop growing because there's no more chairs left. We need the financial support of believers, the people that call this place home and say, you know what? I'm going to give to the kingdom of God. I don't know. I tell this to, to people that I'm close to, um, and I don't mean to put Pastor Omar on the spot, but I thank God, I thank God for, for the integrity that our pastor has that he's driving in a, in a Toyota or a Honda? A Honda. Pastor Omar could be driving in any kind of whip he wants, and he deserves it, but, but he's so humble, and he has the integrity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, what, no matter which way I spin it, if I go to a church and the pastor's driving a Lambo, praise God. Cool. But if I go to a church and the pastor's driving a Honda, my goodness, this man is humble. He has integrity. I want to serve this man of God. This church needs your financial support. How how else do you spread? How else do you fulfill the commandment? As you serve. There are people that are serving our children. Man, it takes over 80 people to, to just do one service. That's crazy. You love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. You attend, you're here. Some part of your life should be preparing the way of the Lord. And which part of your life are you preparing the second coming of Christ? Man, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm not just praying for my family. I'm not just praying for myself, for my next message. I'm not praying for just these meetings. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the, 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 the culture of this church and the integrity of our church and our pastors. And amen. I'm servicing you now. Life is hard. This doesn't just come like, I don't just pull it out of my butt and just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to preach a word. I'm praying. I'm neglecting my family. My wife is saying amen right now online. Like you, It's funny, it's funny, but I got to make it up to her. Like, I'm, I'm servicing you now. It is not that easy. And I'm not doing this because I love this. I'm doing this out of the love that I have for God. Not to maintain a position, but to bless the church and build it up. What part of your life is preparing the second coming of Christ? What part of your life will intersect with the great commission? If we're not serious about Jesus' his last words, what are we serious about? If you're afraid to preach let's do it together brother jason will, will host you he'll help you let me show you how to knock on a door and, and just this is my church the lord loves you and he wants a relationship with you you don't need a word of knowledge to go out and preach the gospel some of you need to hear that you don't need insight on the person's life you don't need to sit there and feel bad for them just give them gospel that's love in itself time is running out persecution has landed on the doorstep of america i don't care how how you politicize it somebody went to a christian school and shot and gunned down people it's happening left and right but the media is just afraid to show it prepare the way for jesus the great divide is coming what group do you want to be in i want to be baptized by the holy spirit don't want to be baptized by fire